recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Pierce. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Martial Culture Podcast. Hello Matt. Hi Renee, My how are you? long lost brother. Yeah, it's been forever. People are asking forever. for us. No, they are. Everybody says, what happened to your podcast? Did you stop doing it? I'm like, no. Matt just doesn't want to see me anymore. Well, I needed a break. Yes. Everybody needs you a break. You got sick. Okay. Me, I, how are you feeling now? You feeling better? I feel great. Wonderful. And happy birthday. You had a birthday. Thank right? you. Thank you. 25 years old, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see what I look like. Relax. <laughs> it's fine. They don't know what's going on. Uh, we're joined in the studio. We love when we have in-studio guests. And we have with us Chris Romulo, also known as Crom. Yes. Let's find out what the history is behind that. You and uh, Chris go back. We go back a long time. And I, I was just saying uh, to Chris, it's, I'm so honored to call him a friend and a Marshall brother. We've been knowing, we've known each other for how many years now? It's been over 10 years. Over, way, definitely. Way over. way over 10 years. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, one of the things I, I, I'm very happy of is that I have so many people around me who can raise me up. And Chris was one of those guys that, that took me. You know, when I when you're around Chris, you just you your level of um, positivity, your level of martial technique, your commitment, everything just gets gets better and better. And I, I cannot tell you enough how much I respect this guy. And 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 of course, he's always been a, a great friend. And let me tell you, there's no quit in this guy. When you want to mm-hmm. talk about being a martial artist, being a champ, the the we talked about on the on the podcast, the 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 seven times down, eight times up. That mm-hmm. the, the martial journey is something about. Confronting hardship, confronting uh, uh, challenge, confronting tragedy, and then overcoming. And this man is in front of me right now. Um, what year did you win the North American title? That was 2010. 2010 yep. North American Muay Thai champion. Oh. And against an opponent who everybody said, I remember he's like, oh, he won't win. And he came in and he just took care of business. It was amazing. And I was like, yes. It also helped because I bet on him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At nice. a gentleman's bet. On him. I'm like, yes, I won. <laughs> he, likes, he wins bets all the time. I do. Guy, right? I do. I just He's lucky know. over there. But uh, anyway, uh, Chris, tell us about, about yourself for the listeners who are not familiar with you. Uh, uh, your I, background and, you know. I guess, uh, where do I start? Um, I, I, How'd you get into martial arts? I got into martial arts by my dad. My dad was a Taekwondo stylist back in the 80s. And I followed him to the dojo one day, and that was it. From that point on, I was about eight years old, and and I didn't even train that day. I just followed him to S. Henry Cho Dojo, which was like on Fifty Sixth Street. On I the, remember that place. Yeah, yeah. It's been, I mean, he was he was teaching before he passed away. He was teaching in the city for I think forty years. Yeah, S. Henry Cho, he's a pioneer. Yeah, and uh, so I walked up into this dojo, and it was. It was just unreal. It was like a movie, you know. I, you know, as a kid, you you watch, you know, Bruce Lee and you know the Saturday afternoon kung fu, kung fu flicks. Maybe some of the younger guys might not know about no, that, but, but we know about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> we have an old old listener base. Yeah, all, right. all right, so all right, so you guys you guys can relate. But drive in theater. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shaw Brothers, the Shaw Brothers. Movie. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Um, but um, so that was how you got started. And and, and I I happen to know I read your book. Um, uh, it's it's Champions Uprising. Yes, I I really think anybody everybody should get a copy of it to see really an inspirational story. And tell us about your background and how martial arts changed your life. Uh, uh, for the better because I know this is a, this is a, this you embody everything that I believe martial artists should be, and how you went from you know. Uh, like you said, being on the edge of going the wrong way in your life to to being positive and 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 being a wonderful martial arts champion and wonderful human being. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it it was you know a crazy journey, just like anybody else martial arts journey, I guess. But the reason why I followed my dad or my mom made me made my dad take me to the dojo was, you know, I wanted to kind of bond with him because he was very unattached to the family and. You know, when I fell in love with Taekwondo just by watching what he was doing in the in the dojo, my dad, you know, I, I asked my mom if I could join up and, you know, she finally signed me up. And from that point on, you know, I, I've been involved. But from that point on, my dad also kind of quit. He kind of gave up and decided that, you know, that it wasn't for him anymore. I, I To this day, I don't know what the reason is. But from that point on, we've always been distant. And, you know, I, I stuck with it for a while until about 15 years old. And then I kind of, 
you know, made the jump into, uh, you know, just being a, a crazy teen and mm -hmm. making bad decisions and wanting to hang out and be cool and, and, you know, do stupid things. And, and I did a lot of that from 15 to and about 21. People don't realize in the 80s, New York was, um, it was a crazy place. For yeah. Them. It was a place where, you, you know, you wanted to find trouble, you found it. And yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we can go into all the trouble that we've been into, that I've been into, but yeah, I, yeah, you can definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I wasn't in the big city; I was out in Queens Village, New York, which is. But it was you know, still, it was tough back then. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there was yeah. a crack house on my block, so it, things were just, you know, I mean, the norm for the '80s, I guess. It was you know? the, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, and and just martial arts kind of help you see the right path, and I know Tommy Ty was. Uh, an inspirational figure for you, a martial art instructor here in New York, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he was literally like my father for, for the time that he was around and that he helped me learn about Muay Thai and the culture of it. Yeah, he was, he definitely, uh, he changed he changed my life. Just martial arts in general just changed, it saved my life. When did you start training Muay Thai? I was about 22, 23. And the Wikipedia page says 21. 21, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was close. I was close, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess around the early twenties. Yeah, but 20s. Uh, but I originally got into Muay Thai through a VHS. It, I mean, I don't know if you know the story, but uh, you know, I got into a street fight yeah. as a stupid kid or young adult, and you know, I and nothing, nothing that I knew about martial or that I learned about martial arts helped me in that fight. Like this kid just basically pummeled me to the ground. And I, I, you know, it caused me to to figure out. No, nah, I got to get back into martial arts because mm -hmm. you know I was on the wrong path, and he helped me, he helped steer me back on the right path. And I found sometimes this, beatings do that. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> what a, a yeah. correction change. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. change the direction real easily. <laughs> Better than a GPS. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it's funny how I don't mean to interrupt, but it's, that, it's funny how sometimes things we look at were very traumatic in our lives led us to different places that are more positive. Definitely. You know. Well, yeah, at the time, I just thought it was my world crumbled, right? But, yeah, looking back at it, it was, you know, if I saw this kid today, you know, if, if I ran into him on the street, I mean, I, I would I would thank the guy, you know, because he literally, he saved my life wow. by almost beating me to death, right? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. intense. Intense, yeah. yeah. Very cool. So I, I when I was doing some some looking around on, about you on the internet, because I don't have the, the full background of knowing you for so long, but uh, I see the, the motivational speaking. I mean, I was pumped this morning when I was watching your videos. Nice. All right. Uh, nice. It's great stuff. And how did you get into the to that arena? You know, after after Muay Thai, after I retired from fighting, you know, obviously as a, as a fighter, you you're an adrenaline junkie, I guess. <laughs> you know, you so you're looking for that next thing there to make you feel alive again. And, you know, not not that I wasn't training martial arts, but I wasn't in the ring in front of, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, hundreds or thousands of people. And I was looking, honestly, I was look selfishly, I was looking for something for me at first. Like, what what would get me pumped every day to get up, you know, not only uh, run the gym and, and train fighters and help kids, but what would build that fear in me again? And, and public speaking was, was that. But then it turned into... I can take my story and, and help kids like that that are in need, that are in trouble, that were just like me at 15 years old. They're knuckleheads. They're they're hanging out with the wrong people. You know, they're doing drugs. They're alcoholics. You know, whatever. You know, and mm. and that was it. I was just like, I can take this huge fear that I'm that you know I'm totally afraid of. Everybody's yeah, I pretty much you used it. to not like speaking in front of me. So, I mean, it's great to see you blossom, but I've yeah. known you for so long that I remember you, you were a little bit more reserved in in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. I would I would keep a lot of anger yeah. and and feelings inside. I mean, in my junior year of high school, I I cut out an entire semester of speech class because I I just didn't want to talk about what I did last summer. Mm. You know, so I feel like that was a fear that I, I'm still overcoming. It's not easy, you know. I, I still get, you know, the butterflies, and I'm like shadow boxing behind, you know, behind the <laughs> curtains just to like, you know, psych myself up. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if it can help me and then help, you know, these kids, that, you know, that's what I'm here for. I, that's an amazing quote that I heard um, many years ago, and it always resonates with me. It's, it's everything you want in life that is worthwhile is on the other side of fear, nice. and fear 
is that thing, is that marker that says you have to go past this. You need to be here. So anytime you feel fear, that says this is your load, this is your load start where you must go. You, this is where you need to go because what you need to do is beyond this. And that's where growth is. And everything that you need, everything that's worthwhile, everything to make your life um, uh, a, a higher level of satisfaction and, and just a, and personal um What's the word I'm looking for? Um, self-actualization is mm-hmm. always on the other side of, of, of fear. And and some people, you know, are not willing to do that. But, you know, your martial art journey said, okay, I'm, I'm, I have a fear of public speaking, but you look at you now, you're amazing, you know. And if you right. guys hear, heard him speak, I, I recommend checking out his, his videos. They're amazing, inspirational. They they speak to me. And, I you know, it's we have a different relation because we're friends. But sometimes I look at the video and I, I stop seeing you as a friend. I see you as that amazing motivational speaker who just inspires me. And, you know, um, it, 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 fantastic job. Thank right? you. Thank you. I mean, go, going off of that a little or on that topic, like fear, I feel like, you know, we, we manifest fear in our heads. You know, I mean, there's real fear. Obviously, yeah. you have to fear, you know, deranged human beings, you know, wild animals and, and falling to your death. Right. But everything else, you know, what what are we really fearing? You know, right, I, right, right, what's right. the worst that can happen? Yeah. Embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? I get up on stage, you know, all right. You get some kids that make fun of me, but. Is that the worst thing that could happen? You know, you, you just know, beat him up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because because most people find social fear more crippling in terms of action than they actually do physical fear. Right. Um, oh, yeah. And and so um, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a there's a great study about airplane pilots, and we mentioned this on the podcast that it, 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 they're um, they found that especially in Asian cultures, which are much more hierarchical in the Korean culture, the the fear of stepping out of your cultural role between the pilot and the co-pilot was so strong and 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 kind of like, um, you know, not not being respectful and, and also maybe getting yelled at or this or that or whatever. That fear is so strong that even when the pilot's wrong and the plane is going to crash, the co-pilot doesn't say anything. Wow. And then the co-pilot's like, crap, this is, this is scary. But his, his <laughs> wow. fear, his social fear, his anxiety um, for, in, in the social realm is incredibly strong because we're social animals. Right. It's, it's irrational, but at the same time, it is very rational because we are social creatures. You know? So these yeah. pilots wouldn't want to overstep their They're, Yeah, yeah. Wow. The co-pilot realizes yeah. the pilot makes a mistake and he knows that something's wrong. And and yet the the especially in Asian culture is very right, very right. the hierarchy is so strong. Yeah. They're like, oh, if I step out and correct him, it's going to be bad. And then I'm da, 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 and this anxiety, and then 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 they die. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know Didn't the but, fear of death like kick in. Right, right. No, no. You it? would think that you, you would, would think. think that, but it's not the case. Wow. They're also wow. in self defense is a very interesting thing. I believe it was the University of uh, Texas at, at um, San Antonio did it. I forget which you know, but they did a study of like people have been assaulted, mostly women, and they said, would you use like the Krav Maga, you know, eye gouging techniques? And, you know, they they basically studied people who had had these assault experiences and figured out how many times they actually stuck their finger in the guy's eye to escape. And these are people who had actually had like that kind of Krav Maga type eye gouge training. Right. And when I say Krav Maga, I don't just mean, you know, I'm just using it as a catchphrase for like, you know, street, street yeah, fighting. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. like this, the women's self-defense, I stick your finger in an eye. And they never they used it. Even, even, even when they had the opportunity to, because we're so socialized to be a certain way. In this case, to be nice people and to be a good girl. And your parents, when you're two years old, say, don't stick your finger in your brother's eye. Yeah, feels and, gross. And there's these these these, so, these social <laughs> these social constructs in our mind that you can't tear down, and mm. they come when we're young, you know. Then they build so strong that they they are these these large walls, these barriers, these blockades that we have to kind of get through. And they said this is why it's not efficient uh, or, or as effective to teach eye gouging to escape because most people, unless they go through like nine weeks of boot camp in the military, right? They 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 don't do that because. They have to break down those socializations. Wow. You know, uh, so even the fear of death is not enough to stop you or rape or whatever. 
from sticking your finger in the eye to escape, even if it would be mm-hmm. the effective thing to do. Um, I mean, obviously, that's not everybody. I, like I always joke, my mom would have no trouble sticking her finger. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd be like, still clear your mom. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah. That is interesting. Come here. <laughs> exactly. Now she needs is her, her little, uh, her little uh, uh, flip-flop or something to hit me with, oh, you wow. know, <laughs> belt. <laughs> she'd go to town. I've definitely been in social situations where um, I'm not sure what uh, – the first, I moved to New York City uh, three years ago, and uh, we used to do our laundry in Hell's Kitchen around there. And we went to this restaurant across from the laundromat, and this guy came in, this homeless man came in and just started yelling at this one uh, guy just sitting here, just calling him all these sorts of names. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what do I do? I do something? Right. I didn't know what to do. But then I was like, there was like that fear of, yeah. of if you get, what does he have a nice? This guy's just yelling at him. Is it worth me getting involved yeah that's interesting well, yeah no you're absolutely right and and you have to understand and i don't want to take the time away from chris sure. but there's uh-huh. a neurochemistry of, uh, in everything we do you know whether it's if an emotion of fear fear is a chemical and um when your limbic system which is your fight or flight which is actually not just fight or flight but that 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 you know danger danger right system right. is is the, it's fight flight and if you're not trained to deal with that adrenaline rush it's also freeze because you can't you so that's why one reason is martial training is so good even if it's even if it's just you know whatever it helps you get in touch with that system to be able to guide your adrenaline more effectively this is this is one reason why I tell people everybody to step in the ring there are very few things as scary as stepping into the ring with someone you know wants to hurt you. And mm-hmm. if you can coast surf that adrenaline and and guide your neurochemistry in a way to deal with that fear, um, you grow and beyond it and you master your yourself and your your to be able to hopefully not in a life situation, but in any situation, to 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 surf that 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 neurochemistry. And you know when we when we lived in the Sahara and you know we were fighting saber tooth tigers you know you know ten eight thousand years ago we had these adrenaline dumps I miss that class yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you know we had these adrenaline dumps like you know five times a day maybe you right, know right. but modern humans don't have that you maybe yeah. have an adrenaline dump like that once a year maybe maybe mm-hmm. never. And and You're, so you don't know how to deal with it. We are we are definitely comfy. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's the trap of civilization yeah, yeah. that we we're civilized and we don't feel life threatening fear all the time. But then that means we lost touch with a certain way of dealing with our their neurochemistry when we're faced with problems. Right. And the most common element is just fear. I mean, I'll tell you. I was in a competition saying, and I won't, I won't take too much time because I want Chris to talk, and I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was in a competition setting once and early in my martial art career, and I just froze. I did nothing against someone who I would beat in the academy all the time. Wow. Because I was young martial artist, and the, 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 you know, the choke, you yeah. know, you're choking. Yeah, yeah. Not a real choke, but you know, that, that mental, you just can't master, you just don't do anything. Yeah. And so that happened to me. But Chris, I, I'll take let the mic go to you, and, and you always have some great wisdom to say, so I'm going to shut up. No, no, <laughs> I mean, no, I, this is great because I, I, I love doing these podcasts because you get, you get different opinions and different insights, and you're, you know, I'm always learning stuff just by listening to you know? Yeah. I mean, how did you deal with fear in your competitive um, uh, Muay Thai uh, career? You know, fear, the fear that I had, it was, it was nothing compared to the fear of not pushing myself. You know, I guess there was a comparison, right? Did mm-hmm. I did I want did I want to go the rest of my life thinking I could have or you know I should have? You know, I didn't want to live with that. You know, I'd rather live with the fear of all right, maybe I'll get knocked out in the ring, maybe or whatever, and I'll lose. Maybe I'll look bad, but I I didn't want to. Because at an earlier time in my life, I would quit at everything. I was a, I was a quitter for a long time, and and I just didn't want to be that quitter anymore. And I, I knew when I found Muay Thai that this was going to be a way to kind of make up for all that time as a kid, where I said, "Oh, you know, I'm too scared to do that." You know, I, I used to break dance, and you know, I think I think I've I was actually maybe, seen you break. Dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably pretty bad right now. No, in velocity in the old days. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> the, the old days. Yeah, that's the key word right there. But uh, you know, I. I was maybe 13, I think, and I would break dance in front of my house. And this crew uh, called um, the Dynamic Rockers came by, one of the, you know, a group of them, and they were like, oh, you should come down and jam with us one time at a local church. I was like, yeah, let me, let's do that. I want, I want to do that. I want to be down with your crew, right? So I went over to their church, I think it was on a Sunday morning, and they were all jamming downstairs in the basement. You can hear the music, and I walked to the bottom step. 
And I turned around and I never walked in because of fear. Oh, and that 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 beats me up. You know, I don't care about breakdancing nowadays. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not I, my thing, but, you know. Who knows? No, but it's, it's that it, journey of yeah. that, that fear conquered you. Yeah, yeah. it conquered me. And, yeah. I, and I, I hold on to stuff like that. And I say, you know what? I don't want to be that guy. I, yeah. I want to be the other guy. The right. guy that takes fear and says, you know what? Unless I'm facing some wild animal or some deranged human being, and you do f- face that in the ring sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. you know, or falling to your death, I'm I'm just gonna go for it. And I th- you know, Hickson Gracie has some amazing thing to say, and uh, he says, if you don't feel fear, you're a psychopath. So everybody feels fear. He's like he's like I always felt fear in the ring. It's just not letting fear take control of your life. Not letting it control you is what you do. Right. And I think that's always true. Like fear is a is a great way to make you wake up and say, whoa, this is, you know, like the other day I was, we were training um, knife defense and we use this taser knife, wow. you know, and, um, you know, you kind of feel that fear because that taser knife really hurts. And you're like, suddenly I feel my heart really beating, like not like normal training. You're like, holy crap, this is going to hurt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to hurt so bad. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you're like, okay, I got Calm down, calm down. Yeah. You gotta like kind of go back because like you have to get shocked with it like three or four times. You're just like freaking out. I gotta know? come train with you guys. I like yeah, I like yeah. the way you guys. <laughs> Can you bring <laughs> that next week? I will absolutely. <laughs> oh my god, that should be the next oh, bed thing. Oh yes, whoever gets loses the bet gets tasered. Let's do it. I've never been tasered <laughs> we, we, before. We, we've had bets. I lost one, but I won two. Yeah. So every time I win one, I put <laughs> I'll him tell in you, like he's a lucky over here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go go ahead. I uh, you, you 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 so you had an illustrious career in Muay Thai, and um, and you said that that you you were fear of looking bad in front of your family and stuff, and that sometimes that happened where you got knocked out. But how did you take those losses and and move move past them? Because I know you did. You know you. You know it. It was just really focusing on what I told myself as a kid. You know when I was about eight years old, and I just. I, I've, I still carry it to this day. This is the reason why I go out and I go to these schools and I try to inspire the kids. And, you know, we run the gym, you know, out in Rockway. I've, I just want to make a name for myself. You know, it's it sounds selfish, but for me to, to, to do that, I need to serve as many people as possible. And, you know, when my dad was giving up on, on the family, I didn't want to follow in his footsteps. I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be the other guy, the kid, the guy that was doing stuff, doing stuff that was positive and helping other people. And, you know, when I lost, you know, whether I won or I lost, I just knew that, you know, I'm still here. I'm alive. I can roll out of bed, you know, somewhat, you know, depending on how badly, <laughs> depending on how badly I was energy. Gotcha. Yeah. And I just knew that, you know, I'm still here on this mission and, and you're going to have, you know, life is going to have to just kill me, you know, to stop me, mm-hmm. you know? So speaking of a loss and kind of dealing with, with those kind of things, your, your, your academy, your school during Hurricane Sandy uh, suffered a great loss. Right. Um, how did you kind of overcome that and, and rebuild? What was the process going there? It, it was honestly like words, you know, I, I was sitting, you know, and I thought it in, in our heads, I, we were sitting at my mom's, you know, on my mom's kitchen table watching, you know, Hurricane Sandy roll through on the news and, and drown out Rockaway. And, and my wife was just sitting there crying. She had her head down on the table. And, you know, I mean, the fight world obviously helped me, you know, try to maintain composure. But, you know, I told her, I was like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to come back. We're going to come back bigger and better than before. You know, I, you, I told her, trust me, we're, we're going to fight. We're going to get back up and we're going to fight. And that that's all I've ever done in my fighting career. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've never been the best fighter. I've never been, you know, the the most talented. I was never the fastest. I was never that the most powerful. humility right there because this guy is really good. <laughs> anyway, but, I have to disagree. You're pretty, you have some pretty awesome stuff, especially when you catch the guy's kick and hit him with a cross. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would always... I would always to the to the end of my days. I'll always say that you you're gonna have to kill me. You're you're not you're not gonna stop me because I I'm gonna get back up. You know, as long as I'm able body to, I'm gonna get back up and I'm gonna keep fighting. So that that that's the only thing that honestly got us through Hurricane Sandy because mm-hmm. we didn't have any money. You know, we didn't 
we didn't have investors for the gym. We, you know, we had the belief. We had people in our community that were willing to stick around and and help us rebuild. We had people from all over the country, you know, help, you know, donate money, donate, you know, anything that they could to help us out. And and I, I believe that all came from just the passion I put into what I did in the ring. You know, I mean, I always put my heart out there, and you know, not knowing that there would be a return, but there was, there was a return because of everything that I put into what I did, you know, it came back to me just, just when we needed it. And we didn't do it alone by any means. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't, it was help from, from all kinds of people in the Muay Thai martial arts community that, you know, literally like put out a hand and said, here, let's, let's, let's get back up. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. It's nice when the community comes together Yeah, and, um, uh, also, I uh, maybe you don't know, but uh, you do a lot of speaking to the community for at-risk youth. Right. So that's right. that's wonderful how Chris is also giving back as well. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I mean, again, like we were talking before the podcast. You know, if if we had you know more mentors when at our age when we were like you know teetering on that line of you know right path or wrong path, like you know that that's that's all I'm trying to do. Like in our community in Far Rockaway. You know, you have a good mix of different economic classes and there's really, you know, you know, people that are in a bad place and there's people that are in, you know, better places. But those kids that aren't in a bad place, that's not their fault. You know, you can't you can't blame anyone. You know, you can, all you can say is, look, you know what, let's give these kids an option. Maybe they take it. Maybe they don't. Because, look, over the years, there have been plenty of kids that we've tried to help out and they they. They don't want it or right, they don't right. understand how to appreciate it or, or take the help, you know? Yeah. So. It's interesting. The, the yeah. mentality, uh, you know, I say some of those kids can't take the help. Yeah. yeah. The mentality of just being beaten down for years that maybe you just feel like you're not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's definitely. really, really, really sad. And, and I, I think it's also like to to accept help, help you have to. You have to be a student. And to me, that's also part of the – we were talking about the martial journey is that you start out as, you know, Luke Skywalker and your mentor is Obi-Wan, you know? Like yeah. you don't start out as Obi-Wan, but you have to be a student. And there's a humility there that has to come. And But some people have their guard up so much mm -hmm. that it's just hard for them to be a student. they they very anti-authoritarian or something like that. And and reaching those people is extremely difficult, you know? So you, you just can't – you can't help everybody, but you try to help the people you can, you know? But yeah. the martial journey starts with you being – being, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, being humble and and you know the 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 when we think of like a martial art movie, you're talking about the Shaw Brothers. Yeah. What do you have to do? You have to sit outside a Shaolin temple <laughs> for eight days in the rain before they even let you in. You know, like they, Fight Club. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so anyway, that that was wonderfully inspirational. We you were talking about a book you're reading recently too. Um, I, I think um, you know Chris is always a very interesting guy. He always has some really interesting things to say about human psychology as well. So just if you could tell us about the what you were saying before and what you're reading right now. So the book I haven't finished yet. It's a really good book if anybody wants to pick it up. It's called Warrior. Um, oh man, now I'm a drone. <laughs> Warrior, I believe, hero, magician, and then lover. I could be wrong, but I it's think Dungeons that's Dungeons and Dragons. Game yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's based on the archetypes of humans. You know, we go through we go through these phases in our lives, and one of them that stuck out for me uh, was the archetype of being a high chair tyrant. Basically, mm. a little baby sitting in a high chair, kicking and screaming, and you know, throwing their food on, on you know on the ground, kicking everything over because they want what they want and they they're gonna do anything. They're gonna make as much noise as they possibly can to get their attention of their their mom or dad to mm -hmm. get what they want. Right, right. You and, cease being you cease being a student. You cease being a mentor. You just become noise in the room. Yeah, yeah. You're, because it's all, all about me. Yeah, it's me, me, me. Look at me. Yeah. Uh, I need this. I need that. Help me now because it's so basically not we're talking about New York culture. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there, yeah. There's there. There are a lot of people that are high chair tyrants, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Conor McGregor and, you know, a lot of people worship the guy. A lot of people, you know, you know, appreciate what he's done for the mixed martial arts world and what he's done for the UFC. But, you know, you, you know, me being a, trying my best to be a role model and like a father figure to these young kids, like, 
That's there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of kids that look up to him, and they look at what he does, and you know, throwing these tantrums, and and they think this is what they need to do as martial artists, and 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 it, for me, I, I I take it personally because it's yeah. like a slap in the face. You're like you're trying to be this more. I'm trying to be this martial artist that shows you know humility and respect and positivity, and positivity, and you have. Yeah, this billionaire now who's you know he can get away with whatever he wants and and you know throw these tantrums and it's yeah. crazy you know you know it's um i that's i totally agree with you it's 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 i can't say that you know it's a, a lot of a lot of traditional martial arts people i know they hate mma they don't hate mma as a as a as a as a in terms of technique, they don't. They they're very interested in it because they come from the traditional world, like the taekwondo world right. or karate world, and they're like, well, we want to evolve. We want to we want to add in ground technique. We want to add in wrestling. We want to we want to you know be part of this cusp of evolution of technique. But what they don't like is the prize fighting sideshow and the 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 behavior that I mean, I don't even think Conor McGregor's the worst. I think the worst is um, oh, what's his name? Um, Jones? No, no, no. He's like, um, the 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 guy from American Top Team. Uh, what's his name? Colby Covington. Uh, that guy's like he's he's even. I mean, McGregor was violent, so that that's bad too. But but Colby Covington just is. He was like Chael Sonnen times a hundred. Wow. You know, like he's he's just. He's, I'm not even familiar with him. Honestly, yeah, he's I, just um, he's just terrible. What he says, what he says, way he conducts himself. He was not a bad fighter, but he's he's a fighter, not a martial artist. Now, I I'm not making a judgment on his life. He can live his life any way he wants, but it it does when when you know I don't want to forget those old martial values of humility, integrity, loyalty, honor, um, politeness, and manners. You know, there's an old Japanese proverb: martial arts begins and ends with courtesy and respect. Right, and um, and you know. Just, just being a douchebag is, <laughs> you know, like mm. it's not, it's not something I, I aspire to. But then again, you know, you've seen that in boxing all the time. There, there, there are people who you can respect. You see it in Muay Thai, I'm sure. You yeah. see it, in, and honestly, you see it in the traditional martial arts too. Yeah. I've seen so many traditional martial artists that are just awful people, yeah. like Steven Seagal. Yeah. You know, and and so <laughs> you know, you know, it's not like Muay Thai or MMA. I'm sorry, it does not like MMA has a has a has a monopoly on the on the idiots in the world. It's just they do get more press, yeah. and they are outsized role models. Unfortunately, yeah. you know. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's a shame that well, he's. If if they had you, I, I I like to believe that I've lived by these. Uh, I call them champion cornerstones, right? If if these guys that are out there making noise and making all you know being these these high chair tyrants. You know, if they had these four cornerstones, I truly believe like mixed martial arts, boxing, Muay Thai would be what it's supposed to be. It, it's supposed to be full of, you know, hunger, right? Humility, hard work, and heart. If if they only focus on those four things, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be sitting, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about how, you know, Conor McGregor likes to throw, you know, hand trucks through glass windows it's just crazy yeah, yeah. Uh, we've all been there but we, we've not all been what is he 35 years old now or something he's he's old enough yes to know better yeah, yeah. But he's not 12 years old yeah and i mean you know some people say that it was slightly scripted or whatever i, I don't even know but there if um if that is the case that even disturbs me more that that's worse be, i think there'd be collusion to, right. to be so um Manipulative, Manip- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and 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 definitely the UFC. Which I mean, I'm a UFC fan because they are the, the premier organization for the sport, and they put on you know compelling uh, compelling shows. I mean, the last mm-hmm. few UFCs have been very very compelling, and had some great great talent and some some really good good you know uh, interactions of fighters. Um, but at the same time, the way they're using that incident to market the 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 you know, upcoming championship fight 
it kind of turns my stomach. But at the same time, I'll be honest, I'm I'm a kind of a hypocrite because I'm like, I can't wait to see him kick the crap again. <laughs> like I'm like, I cannot wait to see Khabib Matt return him and just beat the sh- snot out of him. Well, it, it's like it's like when you're caught in traffic, right? On yeah. you know, I don't know. Have you ever been on traffic on the Van Wick Expressway? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like when there's traffic and you're backed up for miles and you know, there's cars for you know, all you see is brake lights and then all of a sudden you see the accident on the side of the road and you're like, why isn't anybody moving? But as soon as you get close enough, you're like, you're slamming on the brakes to see what happened. happened yeah. <laughs> right? You, you got you to see what happened. You, know, you, gotta, you can't resist it. But yeah, that's... No, you're right. You're right. You just can't really like, whatever. This is a sideshow that we just are a part of. I've know? been trying to watch uh, one, one FC. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, the talent there is unreal. It's growing. It's yeah, growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, um, they have some fighters that uh, that are impressive. Um, I also like the shape of their ring; it's interesting. The circular, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's like a, it's instead of an octagon, it's like a like a more reinforced ring. Yeah, um, I think it it bodes well to have a, a more you know world talent organ war organization to feed in. Right, and I know. Um, um, well, they bring in a lot of uh, Thai guys too. So, which yes, I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be more partial <laughs> to the Muay Thai fighters jumping over into you know MMA. There's like a, a a legend of Muay Thai. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head because you know Thai names are like 15 syllables long. But um, <laughs> uh, he's he's in there and he's like he's dominating in his weight class. It's it's cool to watch that. That does. You know? What what is your opinion? I, I don't want to veer off too much the topic, but what is your opinion on um, the MMA striking, how it's evolving? Um, you 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 know, how do you see the striking going going forward? I mean, it's it's how 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 would I say? I mean, it's you know when who's Joe your, Rogan. Who, yeah, who's you know, your when, favorite favorite MMA fighter to watch in terms of striking? You know, it's tough because I don't watch a lot of UFC anymore oh, because because of all the stuff that's oh. going on. I, I personally, so you're not a hypocrite like me. Yeah, I, well, I, <laughs> I personally boycott. You know, yeah, you know, well. yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's been actually a while now because huh. I, honestly, I didn't have the time to keep up. Like they're doing shows, like it's like it seems Almost like three times a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, who's a good striker in the UFC? You know, I, I I wouldn't. I'd probably give you a name that's probably so irrelevant right now. So I, I don't even want to. Well, who who did you like back in when you were watching it? Well, I mean, Anderson Silva was yeah. super creative. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he wasn't a traditional Muay Thai stylist by any means. He's like you, he started out in Taekwondo. As yeah, well. yeah. And, but he was very creative with his strikes. Yeah. You know, until you know. Life caught up to him. Yeah. Until <laughs> um, he got too creative. Too creative. Yeah. Too creative. Right, right. Too, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, when you break the rules too much and you don't have the speed <laughs> yeah, to yeah. standing square in front of a guy with your hands down. Yeah. Against yeah. <laughs> a young, a young got, wrestler. Yeah, 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 who, you know, hits like a freight train. Yeah. Do you remember that fight? He's just standing in front of the guy with his yeah, hands down in the square, and he's just like taunting him. And then he gets so hit. He's like, and he's still taunting. Then he gets hit knocked out. You're like, what are you doing? Put your hands up. Um, but, um, uh, what was I going to say? So, what what do you what is your um what is your take, Matt, on the upcoming fights? You know, the Khabib and the and the the Conor McGregor. Um, I think it's uh it's obviously going to be a great event. Yeah. Um, the whole the card is really stacked. Yeah, stacked. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know. I think obviously I think Conor's going to lose. Do you think so? I, thought, I do I think thought so. Thought we betted that I, I was gonna. I was Did we bet? We have yeah. to go back. It's oh, been too man. long. It's but I think good. he's going to lose. Um, but I think it'll go all the way. You think so? I do. Hmm, interesting. I don't know. I think I think it'll just go to the decision. Because they might stalemate each other. Yeah. You're thinking because... He's going to play defensive a little right, bit. Right. And then... Uh, you think Khabib is going to play defensive? Yeah. Yeah, just going to dance for a hmm. while. Or Connor's going to come out like a crazy person and try to put on a great show. You know, I I, I have to say that uh, obviously Conor McGregor's skilled. Um, but I see a lot of mistakes in his striking that he overcomes through mental warfare. And I think he's one of the best mental – I mean he's kind of says douchebag things. But he's also really good at mental warfare, at getting his opponents absolutely under their skin so they come out at their worst. One of my favorite examples of this is um, when he was fighting um, – uh, what's his name for the 155 title? Um, the guy who actually is not that good. <laughs> um uh, anyway, so th- this fighter said, "How would they? They interviewed him like a year before he f- was even going to fight Conor McGregor. They didn't even, you know, I said, how would you be Conor McGregor? Well, I would never circle into his power hand. 
You know, I'd make sure I'd never do that. Right. Circle away from his power hand, circle away, and and you know, keep it, but do this, and then and then and hit a shot, and um, and the minute it goes into the fight, he's circling towards the power hand, and he's like, he he, it's um the one fifty five guy who's uh fights out in um Jersey. Uh, ah, oh, boy. Eddie Alvarez. Oh, Eddie, Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Eddie yeah, Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so you know, what does he do in the fight? He does the exact opposite of what he w- what he knew he was should do. And and he and they asked him about the fight. You said you should do this. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just like. And then the whole fight, his coach is like, "You're circling the wrong way. You go the other way. Go the other way." And he's just like, he just wants to, he just like wants to kill him because he's so pissed at him. He's just walking into the, he's walking into the fight right there, and he's like, not, not doing everything he shouldn't do. Jose Aldo was the same thing, and. um Nate Nate Diaz not so much, but that's that's when the second fight was you know yeah. more of a stalemate right, you know right, like right. obviously Conor McGregor did win it but um but it wasn't you know as competitive because I think right. Nate Diaz dealt with that you know he's like you ain't trash talking me and you're yeah, getting in my yeah, head yeah but um but Nate Diaz did not have the tools uh the particularly takedown tools that K- K- Khabib does I see the fight as a typical striker grappler matchup and I I I think you know. If it gets to clinch, Khabib has a tremendous advantage, right. and um, I don't. While Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu is good and his wrestling is good, you know, Khabib is is on a, on another level. So yeah. I I think I think the first round, the second round, will be you know kind of the same, and then probably by the third or fourth it'll it'll finish if if, if not earlier than that. Which, unless unless Khabib comes out like stupid and gets clocked. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, which could make for a boring fight, right? Because it could be Khabib just, you know, on top and Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't I don't find I don't those fights was, boring. I, yeah. I like yeah. seeing Khabib <laughs> okay. on top beating up people. Oh <laughs> <laughs> bitch for five rounds yeah. and yeah. Oh, you know, you know, nobody complained about Tito Ortiz back in the day. That's, That's all true. he ever did, you That's know? True. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I like the the skill of holding a guy down and beating him. Right, 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 right. But I understand what you mean. It's it's, it's less action packed. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For the for the average fan, right? Right, right. They, they're like, stand them back up. <laughs> they yeah. still do it to this day. I don't, yeah, you yeah. know, I don't get it. I appreciate watching the ground fighting too. But yeah. I mean, I'm just saying for the average fan, oh, no, like for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and definitely, Khabib is interesting because he doesn't go for the typical jujitsu strategy of taking the back. What he does, he dominates in his own way of, of kind of like. Turking the leg, we're controlling the leg, and he uses the turtle, the kind of half back take position to launch strikes. Was to punish him, yeah. yeah, to punish him. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. Something we're copying in the academy. Nice. Um, and what I, I I like to see is like most people define striking as like Muay Thai striking or or, or boxing striking or kickboxing striking, but striking is anywhere. Right. And most people define grappling as like wrestling or judo or or jujitsu on the ground, but but there's there's these hybrid elements and we what i love about khabib is he's always exploring these hybrid elements nice. and 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 seeing like one example was the last ufc where it was um you know uh the main event uh the guy shot in for takedown and he shot in like a wrestler it was eric anders he shot in like a wrestler his head actually a little bit more like a football guy cuz he's a football guy so it wasn't even such such great wrestling takedown but but he he was against the cage a lot of guys do it they drop their head and and you know when you're hitting a single leg when your head is down that's okay in wrestling so he's on that single he's hitting the head but then his opponent just starts teeing off with elbows as he defends the 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 single and it's like okay we're not in wrestling but we're not really in muay thai either we're like in this hybrid zone right but that's mma mm-hmm. and I saw that happen. Uh, the same thing with Travis uh, uh, Travis Brown versus um, the War Master Josh Barnett. Right, he came in. His head was a little too low, and the guy went bomb, bomb. And uh, there's a lot of these like hybrid places, and and the fighters I think that are going to really grow are the ones who explore those hybrid things. One of the things is why I like T.J. Dillashaw is like he'll fake a shot. Then the guy will go down. Then he'll come up with the uppercut. Then he'll switch stance, throw a kick, and then hit another shot. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it's not. It's not just punching, kicking. It's not just grappling, and you're setting up your, your stri- your grappling with your strikes, and you're right. gra- gra- striking with your grappling. So right. the guy's got to go down low to not get taken down. When he goes down low, you hit him with the uppercut. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very interesting, and um, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's nice to see that evolution, and and that's what I, I like. That's why I still, I mean, I watch the UFC all the time, and I, I don't boycott because I, I but <laughs> but no no, but I, I appreciate. I, I think can't that's a afford great thing. the pay per views. Oh man. 
Yeah, I have this. this anyway, never mind. Oh, <laughs> we gotta talk later. <laughs> but you know, they have so many free stuff on on FS1. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, last yeah. one was free. But it's like I turn the sound off because. I don't. I mean, I respect Joe Rogan, but I don't want to hear. This is the best fight in the history of the universe. <laughs> this is the most awesome. Ca-. Okay, yeah, you know, we yeah, get it, right? But and I turn the sound off very often or very low, and I really try to watch what's going on right. and and review and see the evolution. There's some fighters that just they're the same fighter they were ten years ago, but there's certain fighters who are really pushing the envelope, and I really like where they're going. Um, and 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 how they're 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 creating a new martial art, which is which is MMA. It's a it's a hybrid of three, and yeah. it's in the transitions. I mean, those guys that are still fighting from ten years ago, they definitely uh, they should be evolving in other directions. Yeah, well, you know that Nogueira, Nogueira <laughs> yeah. just won. He Nogueira, really? uh, Hogerio, not uh, not the uh, younger okay. one, but I, he came in. I'm like, oh my god, they're putting him to the lambs. Yeah, These yeah. lines, lines, the the, the slams, the smarter. Yeah. Where he's been out two years for an injury. Yeah. He comes back in. I'm like, oh man, and he knocked the guy out. Uh, uh, okay, okay I stand corrected. I'm sorry. T Ortiz is fighting. They're back fighting, and you know who's promoting the card? Bellator, isn't it? No, I think it's it's um um. It's a boxing guy. What's a, um 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 Debella? No. no, no, it's a um, boxing you know, guy. No, no, a he's, boxing a, pro? he's the guy with the who wore the panties. Um, uh, <laughs> the panties. Yeah, Hoover. No. Uh, oh, De La Hoya. De La Hoya. Right? Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, I, like, I had to think for a second. Yeah, right. Panties, you know, no, he, he, it's a De La Hoya is actually starting to guide and do his own wow. MMA show. Wow. Ortiz, that's interesting. Liddell. Yeah, that's what I heard at least. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like, Liddell is coming back. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Yeah. How long but has you know, it been? As long as it's like veteran versus veteran, you know, they'll yeah, 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 come yeah, on yeah. on their 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 their, uh, their wheelchairs. Somebody will get, use their walker to get them into the cage, and then they'll start fighting. It's funny. Uh, no so, somebody offered me, uh, you know, a decent amount of you know uh, prize money to to make a comeback, and I'm just like, nah. Mm. Really? Yeah. No way. No. It's just it would do it oh, injustice to see you in the ring and injustice yeah, to the sport. You know, come on, I'm four, mm. I'm, I'm turning forty four in November. Like, who wants to see a forty four year old jump back? In the ring? <laughs> a lot well, of people. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever uh, well, tussle? No, So I was watching one of your videos this morning, and and I want to make sure we we talk about this because it was a very interesting story that you you mentioned. It was the uh, the the Buddha covered in mud. Right. I love that story. I've never heard it before. I don't know if it's something that's that's commonly talked about, but was that a true story? First question. I mean, I came across it through my my own, you know, research and and motivation and inspiration. I and I heard about it uh yeah, not too long ago, but yeah, I'm I, not familiar with. Really? So, the story is uh there's this village in Thailand where the villagers had this precious golden Buddha. And they got wind of the Bur- the Burmese coming in to try to ransack. This is back during the, the feudal times when Burma was trying to take over. Uh, and they decided, all right, we got to protect our our our, tri- our our prize possession here in the village. So they, they covered up this golden Buddha with clay and dirt and mud to mask, you know, the gold that it was made of. So the Burmese came, came in and they, unfortunately, they killed everyone in the village, but they didn't, obviously, they didn't pay attention to this Buddha because they just thought it was a, a statue. So years go by and this village is, is not occupied until a traveler comes by and decides to pray and kneel at this golden Buddha and he notices this little shimmering light, you know, at its feet. And, you know, he starts to try to chip away a little and then he runs to another village and he says, look, I think I found, you know, uh, you know a gold, a treasure. So they bring in all these people and they uncover this golden Buddha and you know, it's still standing to this day, you know? So I, I I use that story to try to get kids to understand that we're we're all golden Buddhas, you know, whether you're a Buddhist or not, we're all golden Buddhas, but life covers uh, covers us up with dirt and, and clay to to mask what's really inside of us. And we let we don't we don't find that one thing to start chipping away at what you know what's covering us up. Right. So I really think it's a, a powerful story. And, you know, whether it's true or not, I mean, honestly, it, you know, it's, Doesn't matter. it's, yeah, yeah, it's a powerful no, it's a metaphor. metaphor. Yeah. And, I, you know, it, it has this, uh, uh, a sense of truthfulness because, you know, that, that 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 was a common thing to do. Even in Japan, I've heard stories, not, not right. the same thing, but similar, like to to hide uh, the stores underneath the 
you know, underneath the 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 the, the buildings. You know, it sounds very, you know. Yeah. I'm sure it was yeah. true. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that story. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't great. hear it and not think, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> what's <laughs> covering me up? <laughs> <laughs> very inspirational. Yeah. But so um. So tell us what, what are you up to? You're you're doing more speaking these days. Yeah. Or, and and do, what's your schedule like? Can somebody check you out or uh yeah, I mean you can definitely go to my website. I'm I'm on Instagram. You know, if you go to my website, it's chrisromulo.com. Uh you right now you could download um uh free uh I have something called the Champions Creed. It's a PDF and I, I laid out these, you know, I think it's a Sure, I, I forgot now, but it's ten or eleven things that I think <laughs> that you know constitute yeah. a champion. And if you, yeah. you know, I, I listen, I listen to it because I, I kind of put it on an MP3 and I listen to it every morning to try to, you know, I, I need the motivation just as much as I'm trying to put it out. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm I'm only human. You know, yeah. I'm imperfect and I make mistakes and and you know, I get lazy and I and I falter. But I, I use this stuff that I put out in the world to to motivate me too. So. That's great. Yeah. Mm. No, um, wonderful. So, and and um, I, I also, everybody recommend grabbing your book, Champions Uprising, which is just absolutely fantastic book. And when did you come out with it? A, that a was uh, 2017. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's a really inspirational story. It tracks your life and, and your, your championship fight with Sean Hines yeah. and all the other, you know, pivotal moments in your life. Yeah. Thank so you. It's a great book. Yeah, you can get that uh, on Amazon. But I'm actually uh, I'm more. I just started a new book. No kidding. Yeah, it's it's slow going. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the? If, can we can you say what it's about? Uh, not it's too early. But too early, uh, I'm yeah. just working on something that uh, you know. Hopefully, that's a little more of a. Not not fighting, but it's not fighting tactics, but life tactics. Right, I guess right. is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you yeah. know, I always tell people it's it's um, technique has to meet tactics and strategy. Otherwise, though, you don't have success. You right, know? right. And um, I think there's a great Sun Tzu quote. It's, you know, that, uh, um, you know, battle without tactics and strategy is the sound of defeat or something right, like that. Right. And, uh, you know, it's not enough to be in great shape and have great arm bars and great jab and cross. It's, it's how you use those tools. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 I would look forward to, you know, the life tactics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how long that's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> you got well, six months. We, 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 got <laughs> we want to read it. Uh, so we talked in the beginning, uh, your nickname, Crom. Yes. We teased it. What, it what, where did it come from? What's well, um, the story. I obviously grew up watching, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan the Barbarian was like, that was a life-changing movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Crom. I, I didn't follow the the chronicles of Conan the Barbarian that deep, but from that movie, Crom was Conan's god. So, oh. and it just happens to be, you know, my first initial and first three letters of my nas- of my last name. So, C Rom is Crom, and yeah. so it's like a J Lo thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have a lot in common. It's not, yeah, it's not it's not that deep, but <laughs> I, I, I that's a cool no, story. Yeah. That is great. Well, it was it was really wonderful talking with you, and we got to have you on again too if you can come out from Rockaway. Yeah, again. yeah, oh yeah. Um, Anything to get me off of the rock for the day and uh, <laughs> get on the ferry. I love riding yeah. that ferry. That's a oh, beautiful yeah? ride. Actually. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. My wife last summer, my wife and I went out to to Rockaway Beach. Um, we didn't want to bother you, but but we went out. Ah, you should have. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, he's probably busy, but yeah. but we went out there and we hung out on the beach, and it's 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 people don't realize the listeners who are not in New York that New York actually has some really nice beachfront. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll come back and visit again. Or yeah, for sure, here. definitely, definitely come by. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having. It. Again, it's it's it, your your website is again. It's chrisromulo.com. Right. And do you want to have also check you up on Instagram? Or? Yeah, Instagram, and I'm a, you know my wife handles a lot of my social media, so I think I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> your wife yeah. uh, works at the gym as well right yeah we well she's the boss honestly. oh yeah, yeah I, I give a shout out I to my wife Sarah. Like. Yeah. yeah she's the boss i just take orders okay. that's <laughs> yeah. the right right answer yeah. <laughs> me, me too yeah. i don't me, know how me that three. happened yeah. <laughs> right. well thank you so much for coming yeah, we really appreciate it this is fantastic yeah, all right awesome.